When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast. We go to many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about anachronism. Nathan, what the hell is anachronism? Anachronisms are old, old things that people do. Uh, no, not, old, not at all. <laughs> old thing, old stuff, yeah. N- no? Uh, ancient thing. Okay, I'm getting the feeling that you've heard this word but have no idea what it actually is. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things I've heard multiple <laughs> times and then uh, I don't know what it means but I have a vague idea as to its, uh, you know. Okay. So the short, short version is that it's a chronological inconsistency. So something where the timeline of something doesn't match up. So the example that Wikipedia shows is a depiction of an ancient Greek who's holding a violin. So violin invented millennia after that character would be. Huh. So yeah, chronological inconsistencies in something. So... Oh. How would that possibly relate to Dungeons and Dragons? I have no idea. Maybe you have somebody in mid- medieval era with a magical TV. <laughs> well, maybe. But before we get into any kind of specifics, I want to ask you a question, and I really actually want you to think about the answer for this. When does D&D take place? Sometime about... It, it has the trappings of medieval era. But magic improves the quality of life to somewhere around post-industrial era, maybe, question mark? Post-industrial? I have no idea. Don't ask me. I don't know shit. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I'm being slightly unfair to you because that's a trick question. It depends on your setting. Whoa. Well, that too. But also it's just the fact that D&D is pseudo-medieval. A lot of people make the automatic assumption that obviously D&D is medieval times because you have knights with swords and, you know, magic, even I though like magic didn't time. actually exist then. But somehow that's what people think. Wait, so, magic didn't exist in the medieval era? Really? As far as we're currently aware of, Whoa, it did not. That, this, is, this is news to me, Remy. I'm... So how, how, did they, how did the Egyptians build a pair of... It must be aliens, okay. Oh, uh, got it. It makes sense. Everything's aliens. I see. Oh, damn. Oh. Actually, do we have magical construction on the list? Because if we don't, we really should. Yeah, we fun. don't. We don't. <laughs> and that's going on the list. Do we have aliens? <laughs> no, but we should, actually. Yeah, I know. Because D&D has aliens. Like, no uh, joke. Yeah. Wait. Look. Anyway, that's okay. for another day. <laughs> yeah, like... Like, 5th edition D&D and even going back farther really does have aliens. Oh, like, boy. Like, not kidding. But anyway, anachronism. Yes. So, understanding the time of D&D 
is confusing as shit because a vast majority of people who play D&D are not experts on medieval times. And even if they were, there are anachronisms. There is a lot of D&D that is not medieval based because, again, we are now in the 21st century and a lot of people just are fantasy nerds who may not have that expertise. On the other hand, there are a number that do, and a number of the people who work for Wizards of the Coast who make D&D have done significant amounts of research into just the setting creation of D&D to feel a specific way. So, like, there actually are a number of message boards that actually debate, like, is D&D medieval or renaissance or industrial or just something else entirely? And, like, as you joked a minute ago, it really does just depend on what world you're playing in and just what setting you yourself might create. But this is the kind of thing that is very much worth consideration for dungeon masters who are world building and also just for players just on how they want to interact with the world. So I'm curious, before I actually do just go off on another Remy rant, can you think of any examples of like, wait, when, when was this thing made? Why is that in D&D? Uh, huh. Let me think. No, can't think of anything off the top of my head. <laughs> All right. Well, one that always just bugs me just because I hate it. The jug of alchemy is able to create mayonnaise. The first recipe for mayonnaise is from the 1700s, which would be more renaissance than actually medieval. And mayonnaise. yet for some reason, the fucking jug of alchemy can make something like a fucking gallon of mayonnaise for reasons <laughs> that I don't understand. I'm sure the answer is just that some asshole thought it would be funny. You know, sometimes you just need a gallon of mayonnaise to go with your salad. And most people just wouldn't even realize that that's kind of weird. And they just wonder, oh, great, I have access to mayonnaise. Or why do I have access to mayonnaise? But what is mayonnaise? I, I don't want to know. I just find it gross and don't want to ever look it up. And I'm fine with that ignorance for once. But uh, I, I just can't stand mayo. And the fact that that's there is just fucking weird. <laughs> but, it, but it is. Goddamn jug of alchemy. <laughs> Is mayonnaise like a, an American thing, like a very I big thing there? I don't because I, I just know. know it's like you you make it from eggs, and that's about as far as I know about it. I don't know. And again, this is one thing I refuse to Google, just on general principle. I just okay, don't time want to, Google. to know. Let's go. Remy. Although I this... did just double check the jug of alchemy, and I actually did misspeak. Apparently, you can produce. <laughs> goddamn gallons of mayonnaise a day with the jug of oh alchemy boy. why would you need two gallons of mayonnaise in one day uh, huh. the alchemy jug is such a ridiculous magic item uh, it's, it's, I, it's I literally just eggs vinegar and oil huh weird yeah all right i like those things but for some reason just that combination disgusts me weird remy what doesn't disgust you Anyways, hamburgers. <laughs> I might just be hungry right now. <laughs> anyway, actually, that's something worth discussing. Hamburgers. <laughs> Food. Because the thing is, like, a big part of like how anachronism actually does apply in a D&D game is the fact that, again, most DMs and most just people playing D&D don't actually know a whole lot about the medieval or renaissance periods. And so they're just like, 
yeah, oh, knights wait. and shit. I and remember. they don't actually know necessarily, like, okay, can like, you describe for me what China a medieval meal was like? And shit like that, and they didn't have, like, proper plate, like, like, the modern kind of plates. Most people, like, they were, like, fucking bread things, I think, right? Yeah, like, a lot of food was just served on just, like, a loaf of bread that was just sliced horizontally in half, like, a big round loaf of bread type. So then you just have this just giant thing of bread that was just what you ate off of, yeah. And it would just soak up the juices, and it was pretty densely nutritious. So, yeah, you were able to get, like, a pretty solid amount of calories from that, and also, like, more flavor than you even would expect from that period because of the fact that you could have, like, the meat juices get sucked up by the bread meat if you juices. weren't able to have meat. And also, you know, whatever veggies or sauces you were able to make with whatever you have locally. And I mean, honestly, spices too, could be argued, are kind of an anachronistic thing. Like, if you are just playing right. out a scene with food, yeah, historically speaking, not a lot of people actually got spices on their Spices food. are very, uh, you, you need to have visited the, the, you know, equator areas. Like, or just be incredibly wealthy to have the ability to just, like, import such things to have spices. And yet, if you actually do just, like, search for yes. like, D&D food, a lot I just of realized what we need in every single D&D world. Imperialism. Lots of imperialism. Lots of slavery. Then everyone gets spices. It's gonna be great. I mean, that is how a lot of D&D does end up going. Yay! Mm. <laughs> so, actually, let's take a rather large tangent, but it's kind of relevant, and I just think it's pretty cool. Have you ever heard of the SCA? No. The Science Control Authority. Okay, I'll give you a hint. The A is today's topic. Stupid, contrived anachronisms. <laughs> I just uh, need to stop asking you questions. <laughs> The Society for Creative Anachronism. So this is often mistakenly described as one of the bigger LARP clubs. It's not really. Like, it actually it does a lot of good charitable work, like, to the point where they actually have, uh, I guess if I said it's uh, 501c3, that would mean nothing to you, would it? What's that? That's Okay, never mind. <laughs> like, they do enough good things that they are, like, legally, uh, like, tax-free organization. Whoa. Like, from the federal government in the U.S. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, like, it's a really cool thing. And, like, I may have fallen down a rabbit hole kind of researching it a bit of just like, oh, I wonder if there's one near my area, because it seems like it'd be fun. But, like, it is an organization that's basically dedicated to, like, that kind of period of time. So, honestly, this is a resource that Dungeon Masters really, really ought to make use of because if they have the ability to just like just watch a YouTube video or two, or especially if they could actually go to just a gathering of the SEA, that would be an incredible, valuable thing for just honestly anyone who just wants to play D&D or just is interested in the time period. Because part of their whole shtick is that they try to like have a very good understanding of the time period. And just doing this research actually helped point out to me like, I myself am a massive D&D nerd. Whoa. I don't actually know a lot about that period historically. Like, there is a lot that I have no fucking idea about. And I ended up just watching a couple of YouTube videos myself and just 
honestly just it's pretty cool just to think like oh yeah a lot of the armor that is used in D&D is anachronistic because of the fact that they use armor in D&D that is from all fucking well not all periods but from a large period of human history that D&D just has available for all of the varieties like solid plate armor is actually a good bit like later and harder to get than a lot of people who play D&D would think and yet like damn near every fighter is going to have plate by the time they get to you know level 8 or so even like even Gorfrumdheim in Rifwick has had plate armor for quite a while and yet like that is just not exactly you know medieval type plate is what most people think of is actually the later variety so okay like i'm kind of just rambling on in tangenting a bit and i apologize so to focus in a little more nathan can you think of why this matters for the sake of being um if you're going for realistic medieval setting it might be best not to have these uh anachronisms whoa so you're on the right track, but you are a bit off of where I was hoping you would take As that question. As per usual. But okay. As per usual. Does it matter if you have anachronisms in your D&D game? Do oh, you have no. to have everything period perfect? I, are you trying to make everything period perfect? If no, then it doesn't matter. Exactly. For some reason, this is something that has a kind of weirdly bad reputation at times. But it shouldn't. We're not masters of medieval history. We're, we're not historians, we're not guys. We're just we're not. a bunch of D&D fuckers who no. just want to wave around swords and shoot fireballs. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> and really, this is the kind of thing that can be massively helpful for the sake of world building to understand. However, it does not have to be perfect. It cannot be perfect because even with just writings and modern technology and understanding, we don't know a lot of shit about how things actually work. There's a fuck ton that we don't know. There's a fuck ton that we might know wrong. And even so, there's so much variety of world history just in our world that if you are thinking about you know, medieval England versus medieval Italy versus medieval France. There are going to be massive fucking differences because that's how humans work. So trying to have a perfect historically accurate game isn't going to happen. It's just not. Even if someone is a historical expert, there are massive numbers of different cultures. And so it's, it's just not going to happen. That being said, though, do you think that there is value in the understanding of what is anachronistic and what is D&D appropriate? I mean, definitely, because um, the whole point of going deeper into this uh, the historical aspects is that it gives your setting a lot more ground to stand on in your in your own mind and the minds of your players if there's a certain logic to things and if you want to latch on to that historical uh, basis that all the like most dnd settings are based upon it really does help your setting um really uh, feel more grounded 
explain certain things in the world and help you come up with different ideas that will that tie into this or certain inventions are made during the period using magic. Exactly. And magic itself, of course, is a massive wild card for any such things. Like, I don't remember the exact quote, which is unfortunate, but there's something along the lines of D&D didn't have a technical or didn't have an industrial revolution. It might have had a magical revolution instead. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So even though a D&D world seems medieval to most people, how old are most D&D worlds? Uh, a fuck ton older than ours, that's for sure. Well, debatable, but it's not uncommon for D&D worlds to have had sentient humans with like writing and lore written down for potentially tens of thousands of years. Like, especially if you have like prominent elven history like, be a thing in your D&D world, like, humans have not had the written word for all that long, really. So if you think about it, most D&D worlds have a longer written history than our world. So most people think it odd that a D&D world then seems to be in the medieval period. And that really does come out to mean, though, it isn't. D&D isn't actually a medieval world like we have had the past episode about the feudal system and all of that because that is how a lot of D&D is set up but it's not fully a medieval world unless of course you do want to put in the research to make it more so but generally it's not so magic again can be a very easy focus as to why do you actually no I was gonna say do you remember in the book but I know the answer to that question but have you ever heard tell nathan that a DD world may have had civilizations rise and fall over time uh yeah i think yeah that's a thing so why might such a thing happen because um demons yes all the demons appear mm-hmm. and kill everyone and how this. did the demons appear because somebody was stupid and opened the portal uh-huh. That last word's the important one. I'm looking for a five-letter answer. Stupid. <laughs> That's six. Portal? 
It's related to the word portal. What is a portal? Magic hole. <laughs> Magic. Magic can do all kinds of crazy shit. So magic can very easily cause shit to go wrong for a civilization and to cause a rise and fall. However, just because a civilization does rise and fall, does that mean that a D&D world is primitive? No, not at all. No, D&D has multi-millennia old civilizations. So the culture of a D&D world can be vastly different than what it was in the medieval period, especially if you do, again, consider magic as an equalizer. But the fact that there are other races that are able to use magic, the fact that men and women are able to use magic, culture would be vastly different than it actually was in the medieval period because magic. Like, I have gone on many a rant about Zone of Truth alone just changing the world. And if you consider that something like that may have existed for centuries to millennia in the world, but that also leads to another question. Does magic evolve in the world? I would say that, yeah, it could be said that magic evolves. In fact, um, I, I, I'm fairly certain it's pretty, like, very often it's a major plot point of um, D&D, like, fantasy in general of, oh, this horrible, horrible spell was discovered. It causes conflict and plot happens. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, that that's pretty much the very situation that's um going on with like certain things and like um my my actual plays uh podcast or the reflect reflect right where like uh it's revealed that um in uh the new world that the Darshans have appeared in, um that well, necromancy is a bigger thing, and it's causing all sorts of problems for those people. It's kind of interesting as a point. Yeah, and honestly, I've actually been like very heavy-handed in some ways in terms of just my own world, because as some of you may remember, I actually started playing D&D with 4th edition before 5th even came out. So what I made the choice to do, because I didn't want to just you know make a new world so I converted everything to 5th edition, literally, because I used the end of my campaign to have a massive world-changing event that literally changed the rules of magic. So I actually had, in-world, everything change from the rules of 4th edition to the rules of 5th edition in my own uh, homebrew world. This guy's funny. <laughs> but the thing is, like, D&D magic has changed over the years, like even just in the books, like there are just events that happen in world, like, magic. you know, the time of troubles, the sundering. I know, know these the things. Spell plague, of course. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. It's older D&D history. Maybe we could do some talking about that in future episodes, but it's not fully related to fifth edition. So not well, definitely not for this episode. So anyway. <laughs> that's going to be a handful of people at home that are very happy uh anyway the point being like magic changes shit like magic can warp the entire fucking multiverse and with that said expecting just you know a perfect you know 
our interpretation of a medieval world is madness. They're going to have different things made at different times. They're going to have different things able to be, you know, built and created at different times. So just to think about other things that, like, you normally don't even think about, like, in D&D, but like, oh, yeah, that wouldn't be there. Transparent glass. How long's that been around again? Uh, since forever. Not exactly. But on the other hand, if you have transmutation available, it's a lot fucking easier. But that's like most DMs mention windows with glass all the goddamn time. And most don't even think about that. What were windows made of? I mean, even if you were rich enough to actually have glass, it was usually just not transparent it was just like frosted glass because making glass transparent is fucking hard so so what what were windows made like of? a lot of the time there would just be an opening that might have like a wooden shutter over it <gasps> are you telling me everything was open there they didn't have any air conditioning holy shit it sounds like <sighs> sounds atrocious christ ah uh, actually speaking of open how about locks door locks padlocks locks didn't exist not the way we usually describe them. Like, Whoa. think about old-timey keys. They didn't exactly have a whole lot of serrations, like the way right. that a modern key does, to have that variability. Locks were very easily pickable. Well, uh, maybe, uh, well... You, you just yeah. shove a piece of metal in, wiggle it about, oh, it's done. I mean, maybe. Again, depends on the quality of the lock. But most of us just have such a modern understanding of how locks work that, again... That's the kind of thing that we just don't fucking think about. Or actually, just another one on the subject of glass, fucking potion vials. Tell, like, if I describe to you, like, if I just mention, ah, oh yeah, a those healing are hot potion, to make, aren't those they? are the thing that automatically goes into your brain, like, like a glass. small vial, perfect clear glass, usually yeah. filled with a red liquid and a cork. Yeah, you need to know glass blowing, you need to have the right mixture for the glass to create that but also just to think like the standardization of such vials that'd be crazy difficult oh right because you don't have like molds and shit is that is that how glass is made i don't know (laughs) like i'll admit i'm not a master of glass blowing so i can't say for certain actually you know what i keep thinking of things just specifically related to glass glasses glasses Uh, who who needs to see though you, like, you know, again, you though, got magic uncommon. to kill the eyes. You know. See, that's actually a funny contrast to me. Because you're right. There is healing magic that would be able to heal bad eyes. Yeah, I just find and it yet, funny. <laughs> and yet, like, there are a number of D&D games that I've seen where they'll have a character with glasses or a monocle, which, again, like difficult w- to w- make. W- wouldn't it be, like, the opposite in which case, right? Like, in, in, in real life, it's, like, a case where, oh, you have, if you have a lot of money, you can go for LASIK or something, right? But, but in this case, it's, like, if you have a lot of money, you can just go and wear glasses instead. <laughs> It'd be, like, I, mean, I have enough money to... you'd hope that someone too. would go for something like Lesser Restoration and think that, like, ah, yes, Cure Blindness would, you know, count for just poor eyes as well. Yeah, but like sometimes you just you, you gotta gotta have that drip, you know. <laughs> <sighs> but like, there are so many things that just are a normally just not even thought about as unusual part of D anD. d That like, okay, another one. Like, how often do you like have there be a restaurant or a shop of some type that has a bell ring when the door opens? My brain just turned off. 
Uh-huh. I'm fairly sure you've described a few places in Riftwake with such a thing. <laughs> uh, another fun one. Poison gas is really fucking common in D&D. Guess what wasn't common gas. in the medieval period? Poison gas. Poison gas is a invention of the, ninth, like the 20th century, right? It's pretty fucking recent, that's for yeah, damn yeah. sure. Because it like only it really, like, when, when, uh, war crime, like, when it became a war crime, it was during World War One, right, I think. It's like, oh, mustard gas, that's bad, that's pretty bad, oh boy, uh, let's make it bad. <laughs> let's see, or another common one. Like, have you ever heard someone describe them having, like, a cigarette or cigars in D&D? M- maybe. Wasn't but it just pipes That's a thing that I've seen come up. At most? For the most part, yeah. Pipes because, were uh, way no, c- more common. Cigars kind of can be made. It's just that, you know, you need you need to get the leaf and wrap it around the thing. And I, I know stuff, right? <laughs> Are you even old enough to smoke there? I honestly don't I mean, know. Uh, technically, yes. I don't smoke. I've never smoked. I will never smoke. Okay. I just don't know what the tobacco laws are there, because I think you're too young uh, to smoke in the U.S. No, it's been changing recently. It used to be like 18, and then now it's 20 or 21. Can't, uh, can't, can't be certain. But yeah. yeah. But anyway, like, there are a massive number. Actually, another just uh, thinking about rogues, just for some reason that, like, the idea of cigarette made me think rogue, which just shows how good 1980s and 90s tobacco propaganda anyway um sorry that's a distraction but uh the burglar's kit that uh, you know a rogue or other character might have access to has a bag of a thousand ball bearings which are explicitly described as tiny metal balls that you can throw to you know hopefully have someone slip how the hell? Oh yeah, would you that requires industrialization. Metal balls. <laughs> um, so my name's my name's Without Joe, and um, every day I take this rod and I I beat it a lot, and I beat it into these little cubes, right? And I just beat the cubes until they become round. Uh, it's very backbreaking work, honestly, but I I find pleasure in it. <laughs> and and then also the thousand ball bearings on its own cost one gold. Oh, but but that was um, that took me two weeks of day day and night working. Me me and me Joe Joe is my one name. One gold. Right? I would like five, please. I, I I need more. I gotta feed my family. They're gonna starve. One gold, five, please. <laughs> <laughs> and like again, like that's the point. There's a lot of things that if you try to actually imagine D and D as a fully medieval world, it's just not. But then, of course, you know again, we're you know inputting what? our twentieth, twenty-first century sensibilities. Hey, Actually, mate, mate, one mate. I just, one I just, more. no, I, I want to talk about the balls Fine. thing. I just thought uh-huh. of a solution. There's uh-huh. this bird called called a metal chicken, and then it it, it lays metal bearings. <laughs> okay, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, you would basically need some form of magic industrialization. Whether that is just, you know, a form of transmutation magic, or whether that is, like, a construct like what you described. That could absolutely be the thing. And that's okay. Like, I'm laughing at a lot of these things, but I'm not saying that these things shouldn't be used. I'm saying just that it's okay to have anachronisms in your D&D world. I'm just gonna give one last example, I think. How about bathrooms? Um, bathrooms... Very nice, uh-huh. very yes. clean. Yes. Everyone's happy. Nobody uh-huh. is dying from dysentery. 
<laughs> uh, man, that would be fun to just play a D&D campaign like Oregon Trail. No, wait, wait, like, wait, wait, you get dysentery, you eat bad food, you get sick. It's just horrible, horrible, and you're like, oh, man. You, you just tell everybody, oh, the weather's really hot, and it's awful. <laughs> you can feel your sweat, like, like getting your, your, your tuning stick to you. It's all scratchy. Oh, boy. Make yeah. everything horrible. It's great. Like, again, if you really do, like, think about the medieval period, like, it's usually described as a pretty disgusting time. So... It I personally have issue with that. Like, I hate the idea of, like, a magical world being that gross. You hate filth. <laughs> I hate filth. There's a reason that every goddamn character I play must have prestidigitation. Uh, just for curiosity, Nathan, have you ever heard of something called a cleansing stone? No, it sounds awful. Is it called a, called a piece of soap? Uh, no. But, but it's a stone that cleanses. So it's a <laughs> magic item from Eberron. So okay. it is a canonical 5th edition item. All right. But it's, uh, yeah, someone can touch the stone, use an action, and it removes all dirt and grime from your garments and your person. And it uh, also just has some flavor text that it's put in some of like the large public squares and in high-end inns. But what's also kind of interesting to think about, okay, so this is basically the you know, clean, you know, unsoiled version of prestidigitation just into a common quality magic item. So the, one of the cheapest magic items available in the game. So if you have this just in a public place, like imagine if you have a public restroom that it has a literal magic item to keep everything perfectly clean. That's that sounds amazing. sounds great. Can you imagine going imagine... to a public toilet that isn't covered in piss and shit? Yes, it is, especially if you do, like, expand this a little bit more. Imagine if you do have, like, a massive, like, public restroom, like, tucked away in a few places in a large city. So then you can have thousands of people not shitting in the streets, not just everywhere. And that also, it cleanses the person themselves. So people are clean. So this also replaces the need for a shower. So people who may not have access to such. So even if you did have homeless people in your world, could just think of the sanitation difference just to have something like this available. Yeah, we need we need in more a world. homeless people. <sighs> Missing the point. But anyway, like in summary, there is a lot of things in Dungeons and Dragons, and especially in Fifth Edition, that may not be period accurate to what most people think of as what Dungeons & Dragons should be, and that's okay. Dungeons & Dragons isn't actually a medieval world. Dungeons & Dragons can be as advanced as you, the Dungeon Master, want it to be, because magic exists and is fucking awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics.
Find us on social media, on Twitter, at Riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash Riftwake Podcast, and you can send us an email, riftwakepodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.